0: How you doing, everybody? Matt here, back with another edition of the Beer Massive Podcast. This time, we uh, we take a stroll up the Massachusetts way and, and visit our friend Neil Cade from Gilded Skull Brewing. I've known Neil probably almost of two years now, and he is a brewer uh, and a brewery, as much as he would say he isn't, pumping out beers on a small scale. He's made that transition at most brewers do from home brewing to commercial level stuff even though he's quite in the infancy of the brewery um he's pumping out some pretty interesting stuff really focusing heavily in the commercial side of things on the hazies the hazy ipas but has a deep and rich love for you know mixed culture mixed fermentation beers which would be the ultimate goal of gilded skull when they do opened their spot so uh he was uh, kind enough and gracious enough to sit down and kind of chat some beer with us and talk about where they came from where he's come from it's quite the story and and where they're gonna be and drink some beers along the way so without further ado neil kade of gilded skull brewing what's going on magical world of the internet um it's been a while uh since we've done one of these the um the old massive beers or beer massive uh podcast is back uh it's been about a year and a half since we've recorded one. Um, pandemic kind of put a kibosh on that before you guys, uh, before uh, you know that pretty much everything we did was in person, face-to-face, which is kind of what we always want to do. But, you know, pandemics, uh, well, getting better is no uh, no end near soon. So I kind of wanted to bring it back. And there's a, a bunch of stories that I wanted to help tell uh, and talk to a couple different people in, in the burn industry. And, uh, yeah, I figured one of the – one of the ones that I've been chomping at the bit to speak with because we've been talking back and forth for, God, what, almost a year and a half, two years, over two years now? Something like that? When's the first time we actually we we talked to each other originally? No, for those that don't know, this is Neil Cade from Gilded Skull Brewery. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I think it's been a little under two years.
0: A little under? Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of remember that period pretty vividly because of what was going on. In my, yeah. Yeah. I think it's about a year and a half.
0: Yeah. And, um, and, and basically the way the story goes is that, you know, we just started conversing and he's like, Hey man, you know, I do the beer, uh, beer tubing thing on YouTube along with the podcast. And he's like, I'd love to send some beer off your way. And I was like, how dare you threaten me with a good time. And, uh, and then it kind of went from there and it's been period periodical kind of drops of random beers from here, there, but a quick kind of ascent from you, I wouldn't say, quick for me, from perceptionally from my end of things for you, it's, it's, it's been what, probably a bit over a decade kind of working towards this uh, from, from when you started to homebrew, correct? Until it became more of a reality. So, I mean, the past year and a half has probably been a crazy whirlwind for you, pandemic aside.
1: Yeah, so I basically started homebrewing, I think in 2012 or 13 somewhere in there, okay. um, but like, I didn't really think that anything was going to come of it, um, especially yep. in the beginning. I started getting serious about it, I think, in 2014 when I met my wife, um, but I still didn't really think anything was going to come of it. I mean, I was like probably every home brewer out there. I had like those you know ideas in the back of my head that like, oh, I could do this. I would love to open a brewery but you don't really think that anything like that is probably really ever going to happen. Um, well, I just homebrewed for fun. Um, but I caught the bug and then definitely made up my mind. Like this is something I want to do, but it's opening a brewery. It's hard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is not an easy thing to do. And I still like barely qualify as a, as a brewery. Um, it, it's still very hard and still trying. Um, but uh 2018 2017 is when the, when the business was actually like incorporated. Um, but it didn't really start to move until, until I got sick and yeah, no, it was a super like whirlwind. Um, it happened too soon, too fast and in not the form that it was ever intended to take. Um, so it well, had- I mean, I, yeah, I mean, speak to that though, because
0: like, you know, I mean, you've, we've talked about it. You've told me about it. I mean, it, 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 you getting sick was kind of the kick in the ass and the impetus for the brewery right It's like if you're you know you're gonna do it you might as well do it um like leading up to that when you were doing home brewing was it like you entered home brewing competitions you won a home brew, or you got silver in a um, in a Boston um, beer company uh, home brewing competition correct
1: um I entered competitions a lot over the course of about a year um, okay and I, won, I won quite a few medals I won uh, best of show at, I think it was the 2017 uh, New England Regional Homebrew Competition. Okay. And then that was with one of the stouts that I sent you a long time ago. Okay. Uh, and by the time you got that beer, it was like years and years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> I you saying something. That's all I had at the time because I didn't brew for almost three years um, because I was sick. So uh, that, none of that was happening. So all I had was like the last bottles of a couple of batches uh, sitting around in the basement. But that's that's what you got. But um but yeah that beer won uh best of show and a few other gold medals and I won I don't know half a dozen or something like that. Silver okay. gold medal that year. Um so so yeah I was like I was entering competitions and stuff like that and like you know scheming in the back of my head like I want to open a brewery but I have a day job, I have a wife, I have a mortgage yeah. <laughs> that's shit Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, was, yeah yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was, yeah it was it was a pipe dream and like i started to pursue it because because i got sick and because you know i didn't i didn't think i was gonna be here yeah so it was like that thing where i was like it was like multi-faceted kind of reasoning um, part of it was trying to live a dream, but part of it was also like grasping for things to yeah. hold on to. You know what I yeah. mean? So, so like hope, like grasping for hope. Um, trying to do things um, that normal people that, that you know normal people would would do. That that yeah. that implied that I was still going to be here. So that's part of the reason why I really dug in and started to try to figured out um and it just so happened that at that same time i was making a lot of friends like in the local scene and in the industry that helped um or else it would have you know nothing would have ever happened um
0: the um now you said you went almost three years without homebrewing because you were sick um what was the turning point that made you go from, uh, from not brewing to jumping back full in? Is it just, you felt better you got past a certain point or is it like you, like you needed that thing to grasp onto? So you're like, I'm going, this is it. Screw it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to focus and power through this. Yeah. Is it more of that? And and then that's, that was the motivation behind it.
1: Yeah. I'm a little bit of both. So, I had um, a stretch of time where um, I was diagnosed and they immediately put me on chemo and they didn't know if I was going to be a surgical candidate and the type Mm -hmm. of cancer I have has had, has a 0% survival rate without surgery. So I didn't know if I was going to like live. Um, Mm -hmm. So while I was, doing that and prepping for surgery, I had a friend, I have a friend that owns a a brewery, um, in the area, and he was in the process of opening his doors, um, while I was going through all of that. And I was just there like pretty much every day, all day, um, helping him with like taproom design, building tables. Um, I painted like a huge mural on his wall. Um, I helped him set up his, you know, his brew house and his lab. Um, just, Anything I could do to like keep my mind off of things. So I like really dug in then. Turns out that I was extraordinarily lucky. And um, while I was on the chemo, nothing progressed, which is not common. Um, And there was no spread. And they decided that they were gonna do surgery. So they, they did the surgery and then they put me on chemo for almost another year after the surgery. Oh, wow. I was on um, two weeks on, two weeks off. So I would get chemo and I would be knocked out for like three or yeah. four days. And as soon as I wasn't feeling sick, I was back at the brewery. And in this entire time I started to scheme like how I could do it myself in some way, shape or form to to try to, you know, to do those things, to like live that dream to have something like hopeful to hold on to. Um, So that's when I started trying to put, that's when I started to put together Gilded Skull in its current like form, Um, which is like a brand or a contract brand. Um, And I had friends that helped me do that. Um, People out of Castle Island Brewing where I actually make Gilded Skull beers made. Um, I have a friend um, who owns Wandering Soul Beer Company Um, he used to work for clown shoes for years and years and years. And he started, yeah, yeah, he started his own thing, wandering soul. And he helped me out, um, a lot with, with meeting people and connections that could help me do what I'm doing, uh, distributors, stuff, stuff like that. So I started to try to figure out how I could do it. Um, and, uh, about the second that I finished my last dose of chemo was when I went full on. Um, because what I had- what, day, what date was that? That was J- July of 2019. Okay. Um, when I got my first, I got my last dose of chemo and I got my first like restaging scan and it was clear. I went full on. Like I, I figured it out. I started signing, you know, I started figuring out who, who, who could help, help me make it work and, and get it done. And I started, started scheming how to make that first batch. Um, so that that's basically what i did that's that's how i did it and,
0: now back with, back you're talking about 2019 july so was castle island were you already kind of working on their system brewing there yet or you were just still that was that was further ahead in a the, in, in the timeline yeah no i was
1: made. starting to try to figure out how to get licensed like how, okay. to, out how to how to do all of this stuff um
0: mean you had that, your friend from, your contact from um, uh, Clown Shoes, I mean, that's a bit that's a big brewery, so you probably knew the logistics of that in announced out, and that's probably a big help.
1: Yeah, and he's basically kind of did what I am doing already himself, so he kind of had the pathway um, already figured out, and he helped me yeah. navigate all of that stuff, and the connections at Castle Island. He used to make beer at Castle Island, um, connections with distributors all over the place, so he helped me all with that stuff, but... But yeah, that's that's kind of when I started to, to to pull it all together in its current form, which again, not what it was ever supposed to be. Uh, it, was, it was never <laughs> supposed to be a brand. It was never supposed to be contract beer. It was never supposed to be IPAs. It was never supposed to be any of that stuff. Um, and, you know, there's a little, a little secret. Uh, the beers that Gilded Skull has released into the market so far, None of them have I ever brewed before, because I was sick for years. Um, yeah. and I'm not an IPA brewer. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I like them. I've I brew them at home, but I don't brew yeah. them a lot. And and the brand was never supposed to be about that. So when I put out the first Gilded Skull offering, um, Gilded Empire, I'd never brewed that beer before.
0: Well, and that's actually one of the one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about is because you know my 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 interaction with you and my experience with you has been what i assume is your kind of love which is you know wood based beer barrel aged beer mixed culture kind of stuff and um but you you know predominantly now you produce you produce pretty much you know ipa hazy stuff like that um and and, and I almost, I see you kind of hesitantly talk about it when we talk so now and then like, oh, you know, because you never, hear I haven't even ever sent me a hazy yet. It's always been some of the mixed culture stuff. Um, do you see, view that you brewing those kind of beers at a contract level? That wasn't the plan. That wasn't what was intended. But do you view that as maybe a positive? Um, because with the pandemic, you had no option, you had to, you had to pivot. You couldn't open a tap room. Why? Cause you immediately go to F under you couldn't, you know what I mean? You couldn't do like, you know, green glass bottle, like, like your age that you can't slow draw that stuff in a pandemic when no one's buying those kind of things. So you're, you're, you're in, in the process of opening a brewery, you kind of have to brew at somebody's facility and you have to produce hazies. Otherwise you might as well just not do it because you're not going to survive. Do you think that's maybe a positive? It gives you a little bit of a kind of jump start and kind of focuses your brewery, even though it might not be the style you want to do. It's it, it at least gives you a direction you have to go and you can just put your head down and grind it out.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm making beers that I hadn't, well, not now, but then making beers I had not ever brewed before styles that, I, I do make, but I am not making a lot of, um, Mm -hmm. so there was a little bit of, you know, concern about that, but you know what? I didn't care. I just wanted to make beer. The only thing I care about (laughs) is brewing. Like it's my passion. I love it. So it was all good. I did not expect people to like them. (laughs) I just expected (laughs) I would throw out one batch of beer and that would be it. Um, you know, and I would have like lived quote unquote live my dream and and, 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 brewed beer for for people. Um I didn't expect people to like them. I didn't expect to get the response that I got from them. Um because one I wasn't that confident in them because I hadn't brewed them before. Um and uh two I just I, I just figured it would just be um uh, I really didn't think anybody would would know about it. But uh people got the word out. Like uh, I have a lot of friends out there that, that helped get the word out and for some reason, it, maybe it's the brand, it resonated, or my story—I don't know—but it, it seemed to resonate with, resonate with people, and they snapped up the first batch. Like it was gone in like less than two days. Thirty barrels of beer was gone in less than two days, and you know there are breweries that do that, but they don't often do it with a distribution model. Like that yeah. beer was going out into the market, and it was like gone. Um. You know, and, and each batch has 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 done pretty similar things, which has surprised me. And uh, you know, it's been great because if I wasn't making hazy IPAs, that wouldn't happen. Um, unfortunately, yeah. we live in a culture right now where people don't give a crap about beer unless it's a hazy IPA or mm-hmm. uh you know a, a a fruit slurry kettle sour, yeah. some yeah. huge adjunct yeah. stuff. That's what people care about. So it really helped get the brand out there in a way that would have never happened if the brewery had opened the way it was always intended to open, most likely. Um, So that has been a big positive. Um, You know, people know about me because I'm making hazy IPAs. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that said, it's also a double-edged sword because it's not really what I, what I want to do like the all in thing that i want to do but people like that's what they now think of when they think of gilded skull because it's really all i've had a chance to make um yeah but it's just kind of like par for the contracting brand kind of course um you're not going to make 30 barrels of anything that is not a hazy ipa and put it out into the market and sell it it's just not going to happen yeah Yeah.
0: Well, and then you you said uh, you know it was your first batch. when a couple of days. How many batches are you into? How many versions or iterations of hate uh, beer are you in? Like batch number what? Like how many? Yeah. So this is the other
1: thing too. There's only three. There are only three really large commercial batches that have been out there, and one small logger run. That's it. Everything else has been um, a couple of collabs, um, and I've been doing more of those um, because, in all honesty, I I don't want to make thirty barrels of hazy IPA um Mm -hmm. it's just it's not what i want to do so i'm trying to to step back from that um but it's not it's not easy um but yeah and there's not that much beer out of there and, and we've been been really lucky to somehow make noise making very little beer and making beer that i don't really brew well
0: let's go back to a comment that you you made towards the beginning uh, of this, which was that you, um, you know, you 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 believe, and these are your words that you're like barely a a brewery, and that's what you think in, in in your mind. You said you said that at the beginning of the podcast. You're like, oh, I'm barely even a brewery right now. You know what I mean? Um, what makes you think that? You know, and why are like you know you sure you've only produced whatever a couple collabs and three beers, but is there where's your line that makes you think? you will you will quantify or qualify as a brewery
1: so several several reasons really one of which is i'm really just operating as a brand Um, gilded Mm -hmm. skull right now is a brand it's not really a brewery Mm -hmm. the other thing is that all of these beers and and this is one of the things where like i said we could get off on tangents that i'm really passionate about like untapped culture and Mm -hmm anything that you can put the word boy after. Um, yeah. really, really passionate about that stuff. But except for except for
0: just so everybody knows he's not talking about a flavor flavin yeah boy. He's no, all no, no, about no, no. yeah Why boy not. everything yeah. else sucks.
1: Yeah so I'm, talking <laughs> about, like, a, I'm talking about a lot. Yeah. A lot Hayes of boys.
0: Yeah a lot of hate
1: that can follow certain styles yeah. of yep. beer. Um, but the thing that no the people don't really understand is is that I'm four batches in. And the other thing that doesn't make me a brewery is that I have never once been able to brew one of the beers that you've been drinking. So imagine trying to bake a cake, and mm-hmm. but you don't have a kitchen. So yes. what you have to do is give someone who has a kitchen the recipe for your cake and say, mm-hmm. this is how I want you to make it. This is the recipe. These are the ingredients. Now, please do it like this. Yeah. But the kitchen doesn't have the whisk that you need or that you use (laughs) or, you know, they don't have the experience to do X, Y, Z like you do it. So the beer is kind of a reflection of what most of the time it's a reflection of what was intended, but it's almost never exactly what was intended because I didn't make it. So. A lot of the people who who approach these beers and they're like, it's X, it's Y, it's Z, I don't like it, blah blah blah. Well, that beer is that good, and I didn't even brew the damn thing. Well, wait until I have a brewery and I make the beer. <laughs> you know, it, but it, it's, it's one weird. of those things. So that's the other thing that I think that doesn't. I'm not really a brewery because I don't have a brewery and I can't make the beer myself. When I can no, do that, I will consider fair. myself that's a brewery that's fair i can i
0: can follow up with this question before we go any further though how many beers have you made personally that you went there it is that's perfect that's exactly what i want you'll never say that so what how does that differ so far you know i understand your 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 idea of your you're literally beginning and running your equipment and doing what you need and having everything your way but you're just saying well it's not the way I envision it. I doubt it. Listen, if every brewer, if any brewer goes, that's exactly what I meant every single time. They're a fucking liar is what they are. No, it's hundred percent
1: true. <laughs> when you do it, you can blame yourself. It was your fault. Fair and enough. So fair, enough I, fair enough. Yeah. So when I make a beer and I can, and when I make a beer and I don't like it, I only have myself that, that I can point the finger at. But when you're trying to, when you're trying to, kind of work through this intermediary it's it's there are a lot of things that can that can happen and they're not always your fault sometimes it's okay. just a process difference sometimes yeah. it it's just something happens and you don't have any control of it because you're not the one it's not your brewery yeah. um, now on so, bre- when your beer gets brewed,
0: how how involved are you in the actual process of it being made Like, like in the brewery itself, like where are you at the stages of, you know, from, you know, mashing in to canning, like where, where are your fingers touching the beer?
1: Yeah. So in, in that sort of relationship, what you are mostly there for is just kind of to be there during the brew day, but you don't really do any of the brewing. Mm -hmm. Um, What I mostly do is just drink beer. Um, Yeah, that's, that's, that's most of a brew day. It's called our day. Yeah, you're there, um, but but what is really happening is it's a recipe handoff and then you figure out how you're going to brew it together and you're going to figure out how to take what you do and your recipe and translate it to somebody else's brewery and somebody else's system and processes. That's, that's the trick about contract brewing. Um, well, in addition to being able to do it in such a way that you don't lose money, let alone make any money. Um, yeah. So there are a lot of compromises that typically have to happen when you do brew that way. Um, whereas if you had your own brewery, there might be some compromises, but usually not as many. So, yeah, yeah so it, it's hard to sometimes make the, the, the level and quality of beer that you would go to a brewery and buy, you know, cans out of the tap room. You know, some of these great breweries that are making hazy IPAs, they can do that because they can spend more money um on the ingredients or time in the tanks or xyz um that'll give them that high quality product because there's more margin but when you start doing it through a contract brewery now you're making compromises there Mm -hmm. you're making compromises on ingredients on time and then you have to make compromises sometimes on process so it's it's tricky and you know again one of the reasons why it was never something that i like anticipated and not the form that i ever thought the brewery would kind of take um but also a reason why i don't still quite consider myself a brewery when i can make that beer like i will be stoked and i will say i am a full fledged brewery well let's let's
0: speak to that What's I mean, you've you produced several batches, Um, have all of them sold relatively well?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, everything is sold pretty well. There was a time at the end of um, last fall when I think everybody was having a little bit of trouble in the market because it's when everybody was pivoting. They had caught on to the fact that covid wasn't going away and all fear from all of these states started to kind of flood the market. So people that put out batches last fall had a hard time, um, yeah. and I happened to drop one right in October, which, yeah, that 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 yeah, sucks. Was- Bad timing, but every it sold fast enough, uh, but not as fast as the rest of them. But everything else has moved pretty well. Um,
0: so where does that where does that put you now? Like where does that like like is it? it I'm sure selling you've sold it all. You've not, I mean, it hasn't not sold. You've had a good response. Where do you go from now? Are there plans to like, you know what I mean? Keep doing what you're doing, tread water until you build a better, bigger, bigger name, move to a different facility, maybe purchase a tank and, and put it in that facility you're brewing at. So that way you have your own tank that you don't have to worry about, you know what I mean? Eating up their space, like, or like is there next steps involved or you're just still trying to figure yourself out in that, in that, in that place.
1: Yeah, so what I'm doing uh, now is, um, like I said, I'm trying to back away a little bit from what is happening now, but I don't want to do so at the expense of what I've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in the last 12 months, on on the strength of four batches that I didn't even brew myself, uh, we were named one of the top 10 new, new breweries uh, of 2020 by Hop Culture, and we were one of the top 20 new breweries. Um, As named by usa today which we're trying to leverage that quote-unquote hype into into a real physical space um so what i'm doing is trying to find investors and i've spent probably the last six months eight months um trying to find a spot trying to sell equity trying to find investors trying to find a partner brewer um to open like a physical brewery and i've been this close a couple times and I've lost (laughs) the building (laughs) and that just happened last week. I was so, I had the spot that and the deal that I wanted and it was perfect. And I was like, we're moving, it's happening. And then the seller took the building off of the market. Um, And that has happened a couple of times.
0: This is the worst period of time for purchasing real estate in history. Like you can't do it. Like my company I work for, we're trying to buy a building, buy buildings. And it's like, literally when stuff goes up for sale if you don't jump on it in a half a millisecond you're screwed yeah it, it's insane right now
1: it it was a building and i had a a partner lined up that was going to buy the building a developer and he was going to be we were going to be partners together on the building so it wasn't going to be a lease it was going to be a a purchase um and the seller decided um that he was going to be better off to try to use it for his own business and he convinced the town to give him a use variance for what he wanted to do with it. And they actually gave it to him. And when they did that, he took it off the market and we lost it. But I was this close to like, I mean, we had architects coming in and we were starting to like master plans and it was, yeah. And then it, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, well, let's let's do this. Let's uh, let's um kind of reverse track a little bit, go back to a little bit of uh, what you probably want to talk about, which is what I want to talk about too. So you've built this kind of this 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 bit of street cred, this bit of pub via Gilded Skull producing hazies, and, and you're on cusp of moving forward with physical building in a layout that you want. What is going to be Gilded Skull when that happens, as opposed to maybe what people? pop culture usa today perceives it or pushes it as
1: um so the last beer i put out was um was a pre-pro lager um and it was a small batch and that is leaning more into what i want to do um what i am most passionate about is mixed culture fermentation um extended aging in oak um so if, if I have if I have my way and I can do what I really wanna do, um, there's obviously gonna be IPA because you, you can't have a brewery right now and, and not make IPA, it's too hard. Um, especially at the scale that I'm trying to open my brewery at, I'm, it just wouldn't support it. So, and the brand has actually become known for IPA. So there will definitely be IPA, but, I would say, probably somewhere between twenty-five to thirty-five percent of the business is going to be farmhouse beer. Um, uh, you know, uh, American wild ale, if you want to call it that, but but mostly probably Belgian-inspired farmhouse beer. Um, extended aging in oak, open fermentation. Um, I like to ferment in uh, stone, so I would like to do soleras in like you know granite fermenters. Um, things like that. Um, that's what I'm most passionate about. Um, low ABV, Saison, hoppy stuff, bitter stuff, because that's the way Saison used to be. You know, it was not five and a half, six 6%. It was three percent and it was yeah, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah. speak
0: about speaking my language right there brother
1: <laughs> yeah I, that's, that's the stuff I that's the stuff I'm most passionate about it's the stuff I like to make the most um it is probably the hardest thing that you would probably sell um you know there's not a big market out there for a three percent mixed culture saison that's 40 IBUs <laughs> it, it's just not a lot out there and, and the time uh and effort yeah. that it needs to make a beer like that and the way that the current Beer culture places value on ABV and not mm-hmm. uh, ingredients, quality, time. Um, makes it hard to sell that type of beer, but I don't care. I'm gonna make. It that- seems.
0: It seems like the It seems like it's coming around a little bit because there are some breweries that are spearheading that, like breweries that do make hazies that are really starting to focus and and pivot towards like mixed culture, low ABV stuff at a at a relatively uh, at a profitable but not outrageous price point that it's in in and that's the thing the beer culture is so new you know what i mean like there's so many people that have just gotten a beer over the past several years five years or so they have not worked their journey you know typically the journey that takes you to uh, belgian beers and, and and farmhouse beers they'll get there that market will will appear um it just might take a little bit of time i
1: hope so you know and in the like the greater boston area that that niche has been and gone it's disappeared um hazy ipa has pushed that out um and there have been a few breweries here that made pretty good you know mixed culture beer and they had decently uh, established uh, barrel programs and they've cut them uh and i don't know do you, i'm sure you know mystic right mystic, yeah, mystic. gone yeah you know yeah and and not just gone before they were gone they they completely changed up their model um, yeah I,
0: I remember them because they're trying to see they're trying to save themselves and it just didn't work they made some yeah. fantastic beers.
1: one of my favorite breweries in in all of the area you know and not just mine there were a lot of people out there that that love that brewery for what they initially did and and what they did at the end too i'm not gonna lie their ipas were, were good um but, but there's
0: also the, there's the flip side of that coin, too, when you have places like, you know, Notch and Sylvaticus that are really just lager breweries that make small batch beer or small low ABV clean beer. Um, maybe not, you know, you know, strictly farmhouse stuff, but even like like I know Fox Farm makes a bunch of hazes, but they do a lot of mixed culture stuff and, and yeah. low ABV stuff. There's a room for it. I, again, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's it's going to be like, oh, you just do it and it works. But um it,
1: it, it can be had. It can be done. It can be I'm had. Sylvatica sure yeah. is one of those breweries that is making a go of it. Um, I love those guys. They're they're one of my favorite breweries in the area because of what they do and and how good it is. But they're not they're not in the greater Boston area. They're a little bit further. Yeah. Out. But like if you yeah. get around the city, making that go is hard. And are, then, you, are you uh, dead
0: set being a Boston brewery? Are you like, that's like, there's no option for you but to be a Boston brewery? Uh,
1: if I had, if I could do exactly what I want to do, I would probably be in Vermont, Maine, or New Hampshire okay. in the middle of nowhere, brewing in a barn for myself. Um, <laughs> that's, but I'm kind of stuck here because this is where um, I work. You know, I, I have a day job um, right smack dab in the middle of Cambridge. So I'm kind of stuck in this area. That said, um, most of what I've been looking at uh, in terms of locations is kind of outside of the city because of the price point. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't find anything in and around the city for, you know, a reasonable price. Um, So I'm probably going to end up on the outskirts somewhere.
0: So uh let's let's speak to the um the homebrew side of things that you're probably I assume are still banging at quite often doing mixed culture stuff and stuff like that at home just to kind of keep on top of those things like um like in that in that space like how much do you produce in a not- Ooh, hey, what do we got going on there wax uh-oh clear
1: wax wax and flint so this is homebrew speaking of homebrew um this is one that I actually just packaged not that long so this is a a vl saison um, that was aged for an extended period of time on uh black raspberries from my mom's farm back in illinois for 15 months on the on the fruit um where you know it kind of changes that that jammy berry kind of thing that you get when you're on the fruit for a short amount of time and it starts to pull character and like tannic structure from the skins and it turns into something that's more wine-like um, okay. and then it was conditioned on uh bolivian itenas cocoa beans and coffee
0: it's a mixed culture based like farmhouse base like 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 so it's it, started,
1: it started life as a, a mixed culture spelt saison
0: okay yeah, and, and then, then and the clear glass is just because there's you want you want it to be affected by light or that there's not really a ton of hops, so you don't give a shit. It's
1: all aged hops, so these oh, so it has um, all it has in it is twelve uh, year old uh, Willamette leaf hops, so they're aged. Okay. So you don't run the risk of um, you know light struck um, that yeah. you run with like fresh hops. Um, aged hops don't tend to, to to suffer that like like fresh hops do, um, so you can get away with with clear glass like that when you're only using aged hops and there's not a lot in here. And how often are you doing the
0: those type of projects on the side as opposed to like how often are you doing a canned hazy out of castle versus? your home other side your your mixed culture stuff like and i know that just for the sake of conversation those are two separate entities um this is it's not like you're producing that and you're selling it the gilded skull is the canned hazies that are going out the door to people out to market whereas this is more just a side project for for fun for you and for just experimenting and, and doing those kind of things
1: um so i would say uh i'm pretty like space limited i said i had a baby and um me too. Yeah, I know, congrats. Congrats, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, I kept seeing pictures of uh, the little one on, uh, on Facebook. Yeah, so, dude, yeah. Congrats. he's cool, dude. Yeah, um, it's, it's nuts, right? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, being um, but uh being crazy. But I would say I'm space limited, so I only have like so much fermenter space, but my entire hallway is lined up with um, half-barrel uh, keg fermenters, which is what I do my mixed culture stuff in. It's just Um, And I'd say I'm brewing one, probably one a month, but they don't turn that fast. So I do brew like quicker turn farmhouse mixed culture beers. Like a lot of the stuff that I've sent you in the past, like the the sunflower seed Saison, the uh, dandelion rhubarb Saison, those are designed, they're mixed culture beers that are designed to turn faster than something that you would age for an extended time, time period in oak. But they still are like... At the quickest, four months. Usually, more like five or six. Um, so I brew them and then they sit. Um, so I don't. Are you get tailoring? This- oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, so I'm. I'd say for every commercial batch, I'm probably brewing two or three mixed culture beers.
0: Okay, now when you do when you do like um, those those quicker turn kind of saisons and things like that, are you generally doing like a very similar base across the board and then doing like you're you're tailoring it to each individual beer?
1: No, it's all uh, it's all different. So, um, without giving away like too many of my secrets and how I actually produce beers, um, the grists are all different. I'm um, there are a lot of people out there that are hop heads. And for somebody that is brewing commercial hazy IPAs, I'm not a hophead. I like grain. Uh, I like malt. Um, I like cereal grains. So I really, really nerd out to uh, with all of these um, small mom and pop um, micro maltsters that are out there in the country right now. And there are some fantastic maltsters out there that are making great stuff. So I'm always using new stuff. I have my favorites. Um, but I tend to go all over the place. So if somebody is making like, you know, a wind malt over here or a wind malt over there, or you know, um somebody's got uh, triticale over here, I'm trying everybody's versions to figure out which ones I like the most. Um, but I use uh a lot of like adjuncts, a lot of raw grains. Um I do a lot of cereal mashing, stuff like that. So that's the stuff i really get like nerded out about um i like malt and 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 cereal grains so while i have like strategies for my bases they're generally not the same but they're all, all um adjunct heavy okay
0: um speaking and I, I was curious about this and i wanted to bring it up before i forget to ask it what like what have you brought from your mixed culture side to that hazy side or vice versa? What have you learned from the hazy side that you've brought over to the other side of things? Like what has been like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. And I never would have known that. And I haven't done this. And, or let's try this on the hazy side of things. Cause I think it works well over here and it probably apply over there.
1: Yeah. Um, so there are two things that I definitely bring like when I can to like the commercial side. Uh, one of which is I do things like in the brew house that a lot of people don't do, but I bring them from my science background. um, And I use different lab techniques that other people don't necessarily do. So I bring that to the hazy stuff, but I also definitely bring some strategy from low ABV mixed culture stuff to hazies, because the thing about, mixed culture stuff and especially low ABV mix, mixed culture stuff that's really hard to do. Um, and the thing that a lot of people miss um, is retaining body and mouthfeel because those beers don't have much to them and they are typically really attenuated. So they're very dry uh, and all of my beers are finishing below one Plato. So they're they're dry and most of them are pretty significantly below one Plato. But they're all soft, and they all have mouthfeel, and the way that you do that is through a lot of protein, <laughs> and you get that from adjuncts, so, and especially raw adjuncts. Um, so I use a lot of that stuff. So when I'm looking at all these different like maltsters across the country, I want to see like how undermodified is that. What's the protein content of that you know and you know you can go to wireman or you can go to Rar and you can buy all of this stuff and it's it's decent but there is a humongous performance difference between the stuff that you're going to get there versus like stuff you're going to get from say mecca grape or sugar creek um those maltsters are making their malt differently and a lot of it is a lot less modified a lot of it has a lot higher protein content and I typically use that stuff in my small mixed culture stuff, but I also will bring some of that stuff to the hazy IPAs that I make. Now, it's not a good idea because it's very expensive. And when you do that, you make no money. And, but, you know, I don't make money on my beer anyway. I honestly lose money on my beer because I do that. And I do it because I enjoy doing that. And I, I, I kind of nerd out on it. But I also do that because I would rather the beer.
0: You kick, you kick yourself in the ass if you had to if you compromise on that end yes. of things. You can make comprom- compromise in process, whatever, because you could do a trick here or some salt there to try to make up that difference. But if you're talking about bunk ingredients, it's like you'd almost be like I'm just I'm I'm lying to myself, and it's the worst thing. You can I, do I, I can't can. do it. So <laughs> I,
1: I, I I can't do it. So I mentioned that I just recently brewed a lager. So aside from mixed culture stuff, the other thing I'm really passionate about is lager. And you probably saw this because I think you follow me on Instagram. You probably saw this on the yeah. social media. So this is called Savage Weapons. And there were people out there that love this, and there were people out there that also shit all over this beer because it's an American lager. Uh, and, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are not going to give an American lager the time of day. Yeah. But this beer is full of um, – uh, six row um, from Carolina malt house, uh, really good stuff. Very expensive, <laughs> but that's the way these beers were made back, you know, in the day. There wasn't, you know, a lot of it was six row, and it brings a lot of protein. And the other thing that's in this beer that broke the bank was actual blue corn. So these pre pros also were usually at least thirty sometimes 40% raw corn, uh, and that is not easy to deal with because it needs to be cereal mashed. So this is nothing but six-row, and it's 40% blue corn. And I lo- the brand lost $13 a case on this beer, <laughs> but I don't care. Because this beer was made exactly the way I wanted to make this beer. And it was made historically accurate. You know, and it's, it's full of hollotow middle fruit. Um, and it's, it's substantially hopped. It's, it's, it's got a bitter backbone because that's the way these beers were made. And I don't care. I lost money on this beer. The brand <laughs> lost a lot of money on this beer. But I made it exactly the way I wanted to make it. And, it, and it's better for it.
0: That's called a uh, your pockets are empty, but your heart is full beer.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, like I said, I'm not an IPA brewer. The brand makes IPAs. This beer is not that. And it's not I didn't make any compromises on this beer. I brewed this beer exactly the way I wanted to brew it. And I lost a ton of money on it before it was even out the door. But I didn't care because I made the beer that I wanted to make. I'm proud of it. And I made it the way I wanted it, to make it.
0: Well, let me ask you that. Um, like, it, like ultimately, if things go as planned and things go go things go the way you want them to go, you'll continue to produce um, the beers that you're producing now out of out of is Castle Island. Correct? Is that exactly. where you're doing it? And uh, you know, they'll probably mostly be hazy's, a little bit of different stuff here and there. If you do open your own brewery, you're obviously still going to make IPA but you're going to do different stuff. Are, is it all going to be under Gilded Skull or are you purposely going to separate those two entities?
1: No, so the goal is to not contract Brew ever again. Um, so what I want to do is open... No, the- I mean as far as name.
0: as far oh, it, Are you going to have like a... a it's Gilded Skull. Yeah.
1: So I've thought about that many times because Gilded Skull has become something that it wasn't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought about like a rebrand, but the, I've... I've started to like actually build a name and I don't, yeah, know you don't want to throw that it away. Idea. I think it's just going to have to be giving people a little bit of both. Um, and probably all under gilded skull because I probably would be shooting myself in the foot if I rebranded. Yeah. Um, plus, you might like skulls, you might not. But <laughs> I think I have a strong brand. Um, there's a lot of it's very visual. I think there's a lot there to work with. Um, Nothing know, right? sexier than gold on black, man. Come on now. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's... so far it's there's been some skulls, but I mean, ultimately it won't all be gold yeah. skulls. Um, I, I keep telling everybody that when the brewery opens, it's going to be like a mix between my high school bedroom and like a vampire brothel. It's going to be. <laughs> it's going to it's going to be very visual wait um, wait your high school bedroom was
0: not a vampire brothel uh, mine was so, been,
1: but, but yeah um but you know I, I think that that's one of the things about the brand that i can't really i can't really like walk away from i feel like there is a strong uh branding there so i'll probably keep it and just figure out a way to make it into you know everything um it's it's still pretty amorphous, honestly. I mean, it's four beers, Um yeah, and some t-shirts, and that's that's really all there is. Some it. four
0: dude, it's four more beers than ninety nine percent of the people that call themselves a brewer I think. You know what I mean? Like how many? You know, and I, like you know, I love homebrewing to death, but you know, people approach me a lot of time. And be like, I have a brewery, and it's like, you know, it's my I make. Uh, you know, th- I made three homebrews. You know what I mean, that kind of thing. You're on the opposite end of the spectrum. You 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 you've literally put beer out into the into the market uh, with a UPC symbol that scans as a company. You know what I mean? And 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 you don't. I understand you're not calling yourself a brewery, but you know what I mean. Like you're a brewer, obviously. You know what I mean? And um, the one thing I wanted to uh, ask is, because we didn't even touch on it, and I'm curious, is where did where where was that turn for you that Got you into like the mixed culture stuff because, because uh, you, when you uh kind of got into it, it seems like from what I've read and from what I've talked, it was you know the stout you sent off, bigger beers, more robust beers. There must have been a point where you kind of shifted to mixed culture. Saison, was there a specific I, beer or specific process that did that?
1: Yeah, let me grab another beer actually before I answer okay,
0: that. yeah, no problem. Oh, there you go, that's what I like.
1: Um, oh, here we go. Yeah. So I actually, um, two things, I think, one of which was my wife. Um, I didn't really know um, mixed culture or sour beer that much when I first got into beer. She actually introduced me to Allagash um, because I've only okay. lived in the Boston area since 2009. Um, and I didn't Where really previous. Live Illinois. Okay. So I'm from the Midwest. Um, so I didn't really know it until she basically introduced me uh to to allagash um and that's basically where like i spiraled i think from there we just we drank everything that was mixed culture or sour that we could get our hands on and at the time the area had some really fantastic breweries with really good barrel programs so there was a lot of it you know um night shift still had their barrel program mystic was still kicking stuff out Um, idle hands still had stuff and all of that was within like three miles um, so that's how I got into it. And then I discovered real Belgian beer. I discovered, uh, Jester King. Uh, I discovered Corey King and side project. I discovered de I discovered like all of these fantastic breweries all across the country. And we started to do beer tourism. Um, you know, this was pre sick and this was pre baby, um, you know, and we were lucky to have enough disposable income that we could just hop on a plane and go do stuff on a weekend. So we would. Man. We'd fly to Texas, we would fly, you know, wherever, California, and we would just go to breweries and we would we would seek this stuff out. So we got to drink a lot of it and we got to drink a lot of it where it was being brewed in the environment, you know, in which it was intended to be enjoyed. And I just fell in love with it and jester king was the nail in the coffin and then for my 40th my wife took me to belgium and we went and did everything and you know that was the stuff that like really really got me into it and then when i started brewing it and realized like i can do this and not only can i do it i think i have something to offer too um that was like the 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 real thing where i was like okay if i open a brewery this is what i want to do and i'm a, I'm a farm guy man i like i said I, born and raised in illinois on a farm so like the idea of a farmhouse brewery like makes my nipples hard like that's what i want to do um yeah buddy. yeah so i mean that that was the thing and, and you can there's so much more that you can do with a mixed culture than you can do with a monoculture so much more character you can pull um the things that you can do with fruit re-fermentation, the things that you can do with open fermentation uh, with, with a mixed culture are, are awesome. Um, when you learn how to start, especially if you have your own mixed culture that you have characterized and you understand how it works in a beer and you can start to, uh, to, to tailor acidity, like you can make a mixed culture beer that isn't sour. You can make one that's tart or you can make one that's full blown mouth puckering like an apple, yeah. an sour. You yeah. do all of this stuff, and it's just to me, it's cool. Um, you know, and that
0: it, has to be like uh, like tickle that 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 biochemist itch that you I'm have. Not, do you know what I mean? Like,
1: yeah. So um, I have a microbiology background too. So like I like playing with bugs. So th- yeah. there was that aspect of it as well. Um, but that that's the stuff that really got me kind of into mixed culture it's just and there's a romanticism i think around mixed culture beer there's something about working with oak that i think is very romantic and there's something about farmhouse breweries that is romantic
0: is Um, that is that why and i i I don't know how to phrase this without making it sound bad because i don't want to use the word disdain But is that why you hold a bit of contempt for the hazy IPA because it's so, so calculated and and, and it lacks that and it lacks that kind of that little bit of magic? You know what I mean? Because that's the thing. When you talk about mixed culture beer, when you talk about beer in general, you're talking in my soul and what I like about beer. It's a mixture of art and science. And then the closer you get to a hazy, it's more science. The closer you get to uh, mixed culture, it's still science, but there's a lot of flourish. There's a lot of flair, a lot of art to it. But there's also a lack of control. You know what I mean? So is it that separation that has – I mean, because you like a hazy IPA. Everybody – listen, every brewer likes a hazy IPA if it's made well. It just happens that there's a lot that are made horribly. You know what I mean? So there is such a thing as a good hazy IPA even if you're a purist. Like is it that that little subtle magic in the mixed cultural realm that really just kind of does it for you?
1: Yeah. I think it's the – like I said, I think it's the fact that I've like romanticized it. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't. I like IPA. Oftentimes, when I just want like to drink a beer, I'll grab a hazy. And it's not. I don't have disdain for hazies at all. I mean, how could I? I mean, I make them. Yeah. Mm. The thing that I have a problem with, and this is the thing that um, will probably get cut out of here. I know what you're going to say already. Go the ahead. Culture. It isn't <laughs> the beer. It's the culture. <laughs> I can't stand hazy culture.
0: Yeah. Oh no, <laughs> no me
1: dude. I, I cannot stand no. untapped culture. I can't unstate. I can't stand the hazy IPA culture. It's like, and this is what I keep telling people. The market is being driven back towards homogeneity. It, yeah. the market, it's all about hazy IPA. And it's like those macro lager drinkers of 10 years ago that that craft beer. fought so hard to educate people about craft beer and to move away from that and move away from that homogeneity those macro lager drinkers of 10 years ago are now your haze boys and everything is pushing back towards homogeneity again at the expense of craft beer as a whole It, it it's insane I don't understand it and it drives me crazy and, and they can't well, see yet in in, it, in the culture.
0: It's I, I, it's a, it's understandable, man. You have to like half the people and not to make this this like the old guy curmudgeon podcast, but it's like you know, like I love hazy IPA. I if I have a good one, it's great, fantastic, whatever. But there's I also like a, a billion different other things, you know what I mean? There's so many people that just like hazy IPA because it's hazy IPA that the exploding cam thing you talked about earlier um, you know, super huge adjunct stouts is, is, is how far removed can we make this from beer? So people like it, you know what I mean? It's like, it's more, it's more to do with a daiquiri or whatever than it does to do with beer. Sure. There's bisecting similarities and stuff like that. And that's the thing, the, the beer population, the the, the growth of, of crap beer has exploded not because of lager it's because of IPA and pastry stouts and all those kind of things, because those people who go, I didn't like beer go, Oh my God, I didn't think I liked beer. I'm I love this, but you're not really drinking beer. So, but you also, it's the double edged sword that you brought up earlier about the brewery and what you do and how it works for you and, and whatnot is that a lot of those people might end up in the lager corner. A lot of those people might end up in the Saison corner because of my journey through beer, was you know you know it started through the Belgian door, but there's a there's a progression that eventually works back to a simpler, more base beer. And I think there's a lot of people that get in the the foot in the door through the hazy realm. They might never leave it, and that's all they like. But they might get in there, and I'm willing to suffer that blow to to have that exist because you wouldn't be able you. It's weird. You wouldn't be able, able to do what you do if people didn't like hazies. It's true. You know what I mean? So it, it gives you that, it, yeah, it gives you that ability to do what you do, even though even though it's not optimal, it's a means to an end. And you see breweries do that. I mean, listen, you know, Hill Farmstead they make some of the best hazes in the world but they also make some of the most beautiful beers in the world you know what i mean same thing you could throw that down on a bunch of different breweries nowadays whether it be you know trillium or fox farm or whatever they keep the lights on with a lot of different hazy i mean hill farm says it's different he could do whatever the fuck he wants and shut down for a month he doesn't care but you know a lot of those breweries like they keep the lights on and they do what they need to do in order to do the fun things they need to do it's like a chef at a restaurant who had makes the full restaurant full menu and then the last third of the menu is what he wants to do sometimes you have to do that it's compromise unless you got ultra deep pockets that you have no worry about cash in any form or fashion. You could be that righteous person that opens a 3% lager brewery in the middle of nowhere that you don't care if anybody shows up at. But if you're in reality, nothing wrong with a little bit of haze to make that a uh, mixed culture work.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's impossible. You can't not do hazy IPAs. You have to do them. Um Like I said, the only thing that I really I love them. The thing I dislike about them is the hate that sometimes comes along with the culture, yeah. and and they're 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 hurting in a lot of ways. The people that drink them are hurting craft beer in a as a whole because they don't drink anything else. Um, yeah. There are a lot of people out there that only think IPA is the, the beer is IPA now, um, yeah. and it, that's just not the case. There's so much more out there. And there are fantastic breweries out there that are making stuff that are not IPA, and they can't make a go of it because that's all people are, are drinking. And it, it, I, I hate it. It hurts my heart. There's so much great beer out there, and there are, there are legitimate artisans out there making lagers and making the brown ale that nobody wants to make and doing it at a high level, but they can't, they, they, they can't keep the doors open um that's the thing that hurts me and i, I wish that that wasn't the case well, that's well, the thing I don't about ipa
0: let's let's well let's let's give them a little bit of props what are you currently drinking right now that is like you're drinking it and this is like these are the breweries these are the beers that really turn me on you know what i mean like from small to large it could be whoever it is what do you drink i mean i understand it's hard because you're a homebrewer and you drink your own beer but who's really turned you on right now as far as like what they're doing and what they're producing? Um,
1: so I think some of my favorite stuff right now, um, if you want to go local, I'm a big Schilling fan. Yeah. I mean, Schilling makes fantastic beer.
0: We get some of their stuff down here in Jersey on off a shelf, believe it or not.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's accessible and it's, it's reasonably yeah. priced. Yeah. Uh, they make fantastic beer. Yeah. Um, what do i have in the freezer in the fridge right now i just got some holy mountain okay holy mountain.
0: um
1: like i said i'm always gonna i'm always gonna reach for a jester king um anything they do I, th- I think on the mixed culture side is fantastic and they've started to make stuff that it isn't that isn't mixed culture because they've kind of had to um i
0: Every time I open a big 750 at Jester King, I kind of just I just laugh because I'm just like, because it's not all that often. But when I have it, I'm like, now I remember why I love them so much. But oddly enough, um, I do the whole mystery beer thing, mm-hmm. and someone sent me a Jester King collab that was a six percent hazy that was fucking delicious,
1: and I was blown yeah. away. People just- don't remember that they were they were they were making clean beer when they opened, and it was yeah really good. And there were a lot of people that were pissed off. When they started making you know uh <laughs> their their stuff uh, uh mixed culture um when they had versions of it that were clean that they were in love with um yeah. so they were making like really great clean beer to begin with um so it's no surprise that they're doing it again um suarez i love suarez That's- how could
0: not? dan dan's Man, that beer is so good. I always tell people that the craziest beer I ever had in my life was as far as beer, and it's their English mild. And the reason why his English mild is the craziest beer I ever had is because by far and away the biggest coffee beer I've ever had in my life that has no coffee in it whatsoever. Like, I drank, I'm i drinking, I'm like, how does this not have not? Like, I just, I, and I love he he's adopted the, the the alchemist model. It's like 16 bucks for a four pack, whatever it is, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it is. 16 bucks, have at it. You know what I mean? Oh, love that place. Great tap room too.
1: Uh and in that similar vein, uh Fox Farms. I like breweries that can do it like all at a high oh. level. That's in Fox Farms, Suarez, you're talking about people who can do it all like at a high level. Um Floodland, come on. Um uh, I still have not had Floodland yet in my life. I've I mean, had a couple people definitely. No, I know there's
0: a couple, it's couple it, have, it's
1: hard to get a hold of, but
0: it's um, not though, because I know somebody that lives out there, like um and all they have to do is ask but i don't like asking you know what i mean like and i'm weird about that stuff but i'll get some soon enough
1: yeah um uh anything that corey king touches i love um uh i'm a big fan of uh, of belgian beer and i'm very very sad um that that we're not getting as much of it anymore um because of the loss of a certain importer um and i'm not sure yeah.
0: They didn't. Oh, you're talking about Shelton brothers.
1: Yeah.
0: No, they they're, they're, they're didn't go away. They're back.
1: Did they come back?
0: Well, it w- was always in the book. So like when I uh, last podcast, I actually did was me and Joel and Dan Shelton, uh, at their, at their festival in Buffalo. It wasn't this past winter was the winter before and, or no, not this past winter, not the winter before the one before that. Sorry. And, um, and uh they he told me before that was how it, i knew it then it was over that's because it, it only went down like last year he's like yeah it's not good i was like okay and um a buddy of mine who works for them, they're like it's gonna be fine like they're like the shelton brothers aren't gonna be in control of the company anymore but their portfolio is still going to exist yeah i hope so that
1: they, that a well, they
0: actually they put, a, they put an announcement out about a couple weeks ago saying where we're, our, our, our rumors of demise is Like, blown out of proportion, we're back. Blah blah blah. They actually made a so, and I understand because they had a huge, crazy, awesome, you know, European. I mean, everybody from you know, they were Fantom, Dre Fontaine, like, they're 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 let's put it this way. Even if they didn't go away, those beers are going to find a way to market.
1: Yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought was, uh, cry like, I shed a tear. And then the second thing I thought was, somebody is going to buy this. The portfolio is too good. It's too valuable. Yeah, Um, so
0: they'll be back because even this. I think I got. I put they there. They brought Kulenbacher, which is – This is their Pilsner, and this is fresh. And this is a Shelton Brothers beer, and it looks like it's. It looks like it was brewed earlier this year. So I think, I think they've still been processing. I think it was probably red tape and bankruptcy. I think they got bought. I'll have to ask my buddy. I think they got bought by a company out in California a big distributor out there that's just not gonna do anything like they're just gonna let them keep doing what they do out there kind of like uh the way um what is it uh what's that brew duvel kind of how duvel fires walker and stuff and they're just like keep doing what you're doing i think that's what's happening but who knows i'll find out eventually but yeah but i mean Belgian beers you're talking that's how i got into beer that's my favorite treat of all time so
1: yeah i mean uh, there are so many like amazing uh breweries in belgium uh, in belgium that that I just wish we could get more of, um, and I wish more people knew about. Um, so anything um, uh, that, that's coming out of Belgium, uh, pretty much in love with, um, especially if it stays on a mixed culture. Um, I love what Muckraker is doing. Um, I yeah. think stuff is really, really good. Um, yeah,
0: Tom, Tom is, I, I'm I'm 45 minutes away from Muckraker.
1: Yeah, that's, that's I'm jealous.
0: Yeah, that Tom is such a good dude. Um, I found out about him um, through John Hall from All About Beer. Well, no, he's not all. He's uh, Beer Beer Edge Magazine. Now he's, you know, John Hall, he's one of the biggest journalists in beer. But uh, I did a podcast with him, and he broke out some of Tom's beers before he actually opened a brewery. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So before Tom actually opened a brewery, I did a podcast with him. I was like, let's do a podcast. He's like, he's kind of like you, like. I don't even have a brewery yet. I'm not even open. I was like, I don't care. We're doing it. You <laughs> know I mean? So, yeah, he's a, he's such a good dude. He makes such fun beer. I'm telling you about somebody that's probably not had a great time during the pandemic was him because he was the model that was least pandemic proof. He was on making fruited sour mixed culture beers that you have to come and experience in a tap room and get and buy bottles of from me like he was like the don't open this during the pandemic and he opened in like eight months later it happened so yeah the fact that he's still open and it's not been easy uh is i'm i'm very happy for him
1: yeah uh that's one of the reasons why like i said i he's hazy ipa i'm not gonna stop making you have to make them and it really needs to be like a Big portion of the business. Um, yeah. if you want to keep the lights on, and you need to be making them well, especially in this area. Like Boston yeah. and Massachusetts is spoiled for hops. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so. There's also there's, a, Ver,
0: there's a place called Vermont too. That. There's
1: and there's Vermont. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> so it, it's like if you try to open a brewery making hazy IPA around here, it's oh man, it's hard. Um, but you have to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, those guys um, on the logger. Do you have you ever heard of um, a little brewery in in uh, in Texas called Roughhouse?
0: I've heard of the name before. I have not had anything from them.
1: Doing really interesting stuff too. Um, I think they have a portion of their uh, their barrel program in like a small cave um, oh. on their property, which is pretty interesting. And I think they're doing a lot of stuff in oak, a lot of a lot of or stuff, stuff like that. Uh, logger stat out in Colorado. Like if you like lager, um
0: beer beer and stuff like that. Uh
1: fantastic stuff. Um Selvatic is here, does really great stuff.
0: Well, that's the thing, and that and I guess that's a good a good way to kind of like make it go full circle, and that like you know, there's there's so much hazy IPA, and so many breweries are pivoting to to just produce that, you know. I mean, how many hazy IPAs I see. On the shelves locally to me, coming out of Oma Gang, you know what I mean? Breweries you never thought would just lean into that style so much,
1: but we have this. We had what? Did you see the uh, the recent Dogfish Head, the one that they're doing with like oat milk? Like everybody.
0: Yeah, it, but it's it, it. But but while that conversation is being had about hazies, we can still have this conversation about all these great breweries opening up, making lager, making mixed culture, all those kind of things. That's what keeps it going, baby. That's what that's yeah. what makes you love life and, and know that there's definitely a lid at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> so you don't have to. We're just not going to live in a hazy IPA and macro adjunct logger world. Yeah. Right? I promise I, you that.
1: I'm hoping that a lot of it comes comes back around. Um, like you said, I it four or five years ago, I would I would 100 percent agree with you. Uh, people would find their way to those beers from hazies. I'm just a little scared that people aren't doing it quite as much as they were then. Um, because a lot of that beer is just kind of falling away to the hazy. Um, but yeah, it's something uh, I'm definitely very, very passionate about that. I I want to, I, and I do it all the time. I advocate to my friends. I advocate to people that I'll actually sell a hazy IPA to, uh, try this lager or try this or try that. Um, if you like this, you might like this, um, like, like, like this, speaking of homebrew beer. This is a mixed culture beer um, that I made um, as a, like a pilot batch for people that like hazy. And it's, it's like 4%. It's um, a Saison base, uh, mixed culture. It's tart. And it was conditioned on eight pounds per gallon of fresh cantaloupe and fresh peaches. And then it was blended with just a little bit of a hazy IPA uh, with Sultana, Citra, and Galaxy. If people like hazy IPAs, they they would probably really like this, as long as they can deal with a little bit of acidity. So, like, I hand somebody a hazy IPA and be like, "Now try this. Um, I think you'll like this." Um, to try to, you know, to 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 hopefully get them to open up open up a little bit and and consider some other things, because there's so much more out there. And then from there, hopefully, I can convince them that they need to drink. A
0: pre-pro <laughs> well that, that that's and, and you know what that is why the uh the gilded skull uh home base needs to come to fruition because it's really uh, to make those in moves on people like that is very much a taproom thing where they're they come in and they order the hazy and they'd be like hey what do you want next you don't know try this and then you can kind of caress them and work them in the direction and that, that not you want them to be they need to be that's more important yeah
1: so i mean that's the hard part it's 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 always been about education craft beer i mean everybody says that but i think at this point people are quite educated when it comes to craft beer it's been it's been a while in this most recent craft beer bubble and people are pretty smart when it comes to stuff but they tend to like hops yeah
0: and hops are fantastic especially when they're aged and put in a saison Uh, um So, <laughs> um, so before we wrap this up, man, um, I did want to ask you one thing, you know, you're talking about what a month and a half, two months from now, or you're talking about two years after your last chemo, like, how you feeling? Like, what are you like?
1: Are you, yeah. I uh, mean, everything is, I, I mean, I have issues still, but they're not like issues that are going to kill me. Um, And I still like get checked up on every three months and probably will if I have anything to say about it for a very long time. Um, and everything keeps coming back. Okay. Um, which is great. Um, because like I've told many people, many times that shouldn't be like when I was diagnosed, like I said, I had like this much of a chance of even getting surgery and most of the time, and by most of the time I mean like ninety percent of the time, it doesn't even matter if you get surgery. Um yeah. the uh the life expectancy with this particular cancer is horrid. Yeah. So the fact that I'm here is pretty much a miracle.
0: Yeah. I I'm gonna put it on that you love mixed culture beer and that's really what kind of like you know they're like take that box this guy needs to stick around because we need more of that no we don't need those hazy. we need mixed culture beers um to that, culture to, in my environment <laughs> <laughs> to that end to that end if if people want to find out find out about you or find out where you are if, if let's say some magical investors watching this or listening to this podcast how do they track you down
1: Uh, if there's a magical investor out there, definitely drag me down. Um, (laughs) you can, yeah, on, on Facebook, um, Gilded Skull Brewing, uh, at the, the Grams at Gilded Skull Brewing. Um, you can find me there. Those are probably the easiest ways. Um, the thing I'm most like connected with is my Instagram. Pretty, pretty much addicted to it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, all those worst things you can be addicted to, like hazy IPA. Um, so, yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you for, very much for coming on, dude. It was very – I've been planning to do this for a while, and I was thinking about who I was going to have on in the first round of the podcast. And, and, um, and you were top of mind just because I could see – not just – I wanted to get a perspective of somebody trying to open a brewery during a pandemic because that's essentially what happened to you, but also the story you have, the kind of beers you make, and the kind of beers that you produce commercially – you're kind of a crazy man you're across the board you're all over the place and it just intrigues me to no end that um that it seems like everything's working out in a very un- unpredictable not as planned but very fun way and that's very cool dude
1: yeah it, it's been interesting and, and hopefully one of these days like i said i can throw you a a you know a pint or a a pull over the bar oh
0: Oh, dude, we're oh, chugging be beers in person for real. Like, that's not, that's, that's an in the near future. That's an immense in- question. <laughs> I'm, to- I'm
1: hoping by the end of this year, I will have yeah. something
0: moving. That would be awesome, dude. Yeah, that's the goal. Awesome.